On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports Time is brought to you by Lexus of Memphis. Here are your hosts, Brett Stats Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome in to a sports time on a Monday. Bryant and Brett with you for the next three hours. A lot to get to as we're in our family leisure studios to start the week. And uh, Brett Norsworthy, like I said, he's with me. And uh, Brett, whew, it, first off, it was a busy weekend with football and everything, but then you had postseason baseball. Uh, it's officially college basketball season now that we've gotten uh, both the Ken Palm rankings and the AP Top 25. So a ton going on. Uh, but first off, how was your weekend and off week for uh, the Ole Miss Rebels? So you did not have your uh, usual pregame and postgame duties with them. How did you enjoy uh, the uh, the weekend off? I absolutely loved it, but I'm ready to get down to the Plains this week with Ole Miss. And as the college football season is really starting to really starting to take a lot of shape, it was fun to just sit back and watch this weekend. It was fun to go out to the Tiger game on Friday night in heartbreaking loss, but. Tulane's just a really good team, and I'll get to to more. I mean, I, I you know, it, it was simple competition. They were bigger and they were better. I mean, it was like mm-hmm. uh, Ole Miss against Alabama. Uh, Alabama was bigger; they were better. Uh, but we, we will talk a, a, a lot about it. Uh, a lot I liked, a lot that concerned me. Then Saturday uh, on on a day off, I went out to college football. Went to Rhodes and Sewanee, and I told you before we started. You, you you know the length of the games really get to me. It's it's the biggest oh, yeah. old man thing about me. Saturday's road Swanee game. Now remember, there's no review, there's no TV timeouts. You know, it's just I mean, really, just they start the clock and and now with and they have adopted the same rules of of the play clock that everybody around college football has. Total run time. It kicked off promptly at one oh oh. Total run time with halftime. 20-minute halftime, two hours and 27 minutes. Huh. Brett, that's incredible. I mean, that's... 30 to 10 links. That might be 14 shorter. 14 to 10 halftime, all links in second half. How about half. that? How about that? A big win. That's shorter than NBA games. But Brett, almost, probably shorter than high school football games. I mean, I've been to some long high school yes. football games, and that is that is short. And I understand it at high school football. I do. I'm very sympathetic to it. I want the feel of high school football. And the feel of high school football and college football is, is the marching bands. And neither band, uh, Swanee didn't have one, Rhodes didn't have one. So it was, it was nothing halftime, but it was 20 minutes. High school football can get a little lengthy because of halftime in the band. Sure. And I want those youngsters Absolutely. to have their time. 100%. 100%. I want those parents to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's 26 minutes? What's 27 <laughs> minutes? You know, what, what, whatever, whatever it takes. Now, I do think around college football, we could tighten halftime up a little bit. You know, the mm-hmm. NFL's really got it down. Yes. Uh, I mean, that, I, I, I don't know why the NFL go, goes to the locker room at halftime. I really don't. <laughs> Cause by the time they get to the locker room, it's yeah. time to get back. It's time for the kickers to get mm-hmm. back out there and, you know, and, and, and especially if you're the kickoff team in the sec, second half, start loosening up. Maybe that's a little too fast, but, uh, but it, it uh, really, really a fun weekend. The Tiger game Friday night ran exactly 327. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. But that's, that's not bad. A lot of stoppages sure. for TV. No, three twenty-seven is not bad. No. But two twenty-seven. I'm not kidding you. I I, I, I looked at my watch a couple or, or my phone. I don't wear a watch. I looked at my phone a couple times. Thought you got to be kidding me because you know I, I was wanting to get somewhere and watch uh, Tennessee and A and M and, and did and and really enjoyed enjoyed the atmosphere mm-hmm. where I watched that. Yeah, no. And on Friday's picks. Oh man, I don't twenty wanna, to uh, thirteen was my pick on Tennessee A and M. Wow. Twenty to spot thirteen on. on the nose. Wow. <laughs> spot on. Um my picks on Friday, um, I mean continuing to be like they were the week before, uh, they're they're pretty bad right now. So I would not if you're tailing anybody, I've don't got, tell and me. I've caught you. You have. You I've have gotten hot and, and and I've caught you and it it was a pretty big lead. I, still the NFL, I don't have a gr- a great <laughs> handle on it, but college and, and Brian, I, I talked a lot about it on Friday. I never called the straight-up upset, but I was close to it on, mm-hmm. on Arkansas and Alabama. Yeah. The game went off and played out exactly yeah. like I thought it would. Razorback fans, within the sound of my voice, hmm. Alabama's not that good and Arkansas's not that bad. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and that's that's how it played out. And, and sure did. And honestly, I was surprised. I know we'll get to it later. I don't want to. I don't want to kind of uh, take everything that to to say about this game. But Arkansas and, and penalties have been a a big problem all season long. Only had one or two. I think I think two is what they finished out with. But Sad. one or two. two. 10, I, I mean, is, so. is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, especially for a team that that has really shot themselves in the foot all season long when it comes to penalties. And that was a. I mean, that was a massive part of it. Is they weren't. Against a top, you know, team in, in Alabama, that is, even though people can point back and say, okay, look at that game earlier in the season, look at that game earlier in the season, they weren't pushing themselves back like they have the previous weeks. I thought it was masterfully coached by Sam Pittman. He yeah. gave, he went down there trying to keep it really, really, really close, steal it at the buzzer and get on the bus before mm-hmm. any reviews and let's yep. get the heck out of Dodge. And he almost pulled it off in and, and, and like most people that play Alabama mm-hmm. in the SEC West, or a lot of people in the SEC West, certainly Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas for sure, maybe even, well, I, I think that'd about cover it. Yeah. How, how many players on, on Arkansas would Alabama really want? Not many. Not many. Not many. Not many. A handful, but not, not a ton. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know if I'd fill my whole hand up. No, I can think of. I can think of three, off the top of my head, and that's. But you know, just probably about such it. a decided. Yeah. You know, just the the talent difference and playing there, and I liked it. It was at eleven o'clock, homecoming. Mm-hmm. Looking yes. back to last week at College Station, looking to next week for third Saturday. It didn't get Arkansas a win, and the Razorbacks may be in the toughest spot mm-hmm. as fans, as administrators, as anybody concerned. This close and clo- close almost kills you more than a million miles away. You, I, I, I think you'd almost rather lose by, by, by 20, by 20 lengths than by a nose. Yeah. And, uh, and it just gets worse when it's not only a, a, you know, close loss to Alabama, three point loss to Alabama, but it's on top of a three point loss to LSU, uh, a touchdown loss, uh, to, to Ole Miss, a, you know, 12 point loss, but, but closer than the score looked against Texas A&M. You know, when you add all of those together, I mean, it's just, it's, it's brutal. 
six point four point six six point four the average margin oh of the goodness. five defeats. Wow. That I mean that's that's incredible. Seven three seven seven three mm-hmm. twelve yep. seven, seven three. three. Yeah, that's I mean and that that hurts. That like you said, that hurts probably more than getting blown out every single game. I mean it's it just it, it just it, breaks it, your it's heart. About, it's about five plays. Yeah. It really is. It really is. And with uh, Rocket and, Sanders and not to, playing, that also hurt them in the run game. Yeah, and R- R- Rocket Sanders probably done for the year. Mm. Didn't didn't travel. The, it, it's not responding. And and now you know he he has to think about his future. Sure. But for t- for Tennessee to win that kind of claw it out game for Josh Heupel, yeah, Mister Five Wides, let's fog it around the ballpark to to go Johnny Majors ground and pound. <sighs> yeah. You're right, and and we've been. Uh, I remember before the season talking about kind of this uh, this run game when everybody wanted to talk about the the passing and the well, you know, what can they do through the air? And uh, you know, we were kind of looking at these running backs, and they have a, a couple. It's not just one. I mean, I think I've seen three guys rush for over a hundred yards in a game this year. So pretty serviceable, um, absolutely. And and that's what that's what won them the game against Texas A&M was what they were able to do on the ground against a Texas A&M defense that I really like. I think is really good, but just could not stop that run at all. And the A&M defense starting now to have some injuries, at least two or three, mm-hmm. including yep. Walter Nolan, mm-hmm. who spent some time here and before going to Powell in, in Knoxville. And, and it, it looked, I hadn't gotten an update, but it looked bad as, sure as he was in tears as yeah. he was being carted off. Yeah, it didn't look great. And, and he's a, he's a big part of that, that defensive line and, and kind of those young guys that they've brought in. So, you know, especially him being from this area, definitely, uh, hated seeing that on Saturday. Tiger game Friday night. Oh, there, yeah, I, I, let's there are not many it. times I've been at a game where two teams both had <laughs> 21 point stretches. Yeah. It was incredible. The, the Tigers got the first one, and boy, in a blink of an eye, it was it was it was answered yeah. by by Tulane, and then Tulane had their twenty one point run. Tulane's just really good. They are. Uh, I, I think their offensive and defensive lines were, were better. Mm-hmm. I thought their quarterback was better. After Blake Watson got hurt, they had advantage running back, mm-hmm. probably advantage secondary. Yeah. Um, and and frankly, right now, advantage coach. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. You're right, and you have been talking ever since you saw Tulane play against Ole Miss, and I I said it last week. I just haven't been able to see Tulane play a full game really this season. I got to see uh, all of the Ole Miss game, but since then, I haven't really gotten to see them. And you've been talking about that offense and defensive line, and you saw that Friday night against the Tigers. I mean, they were just much better than than Memphis was, and and some of those turnovers, some of the plays. I thought the defense for the Tigers looked great early. I mean, had two or three stops um, to start the game. I had a and pick six or two go right through the Absolutely, wickets. yeah, you're right. And uh, that Memphis offense just couldn't respond. Uh, Seth Hennigan, um, a, a, an incredibly slow start. I think one for nine, one for ten to start the game with only about 11 yards um, on that one completion to start the game and, and kind of start to get something, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. just... Then made some throws that sure were did. just... Unbelievable. He really did. And then, but then, you know, you get that comeback. You feel like you have all the momentum, um, kind of going into halftime. You come back out, you score again, 
and then you just go flat and couldn't do anything offensively, couldn't do anything defensively. You thought you were going to be able to get a stop late with an opportunity to get the ball back and maybe go down and do something, and then Andres Fox gets the uh, the personal foul um, for uh, yeah, he kind lost of a, his cool. He I did. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that we need to crush him. No, no, and I'm not trying Look, to crush him. He's going to get handled. Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I know, but um, several I was sitting around were wanting to crush him. Yes, and, yes, and I'm I, sure. I heard, I heard, I heard some of that in 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 the post game. Look, he, he he lost his head. And here here's the thing about now on on discipline. And and immediately with Dave, you heard you heard Coach Silverfield say, you know, all all the right things, and I think all the right things very sincerely. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, embarrassing. We're not going to have that. Absolutely. It's not what we're about. Yep. I believe all that mm-hmm. too. And, and we'll handle it. And now on player, you know, discipline, you know, used to, you know, run them, run them till they throw up. Well, you, you, you can't, can't do, do that, that anymore. anymore now. B- because if you had an incident that any got anywhere near Jordan McNair at Maryland, mm-hmm. you can't have that kind of liability. You yeah. can't belittle and berate somebody. The biggest thing now is playing time, and that hurts the coaching staff, and that hurts his teammates. But they're they're going to sort that out. But the the old days of you know meeting a GA out at the stands and running you know up and down the stands (laughs) till somebody wanted to clap. Nobody can do that, Mm -hmm. and nobody should do that. I I don't I don't know what that really taught then. Nothing. Um, (laughs) And 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 now you just can't get near that type Mm -hmm. of legal exposure Mm -hmm. if 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 the youngster was harmed. Right. No. Absolutely, and so I think uh, you know. Obviously, came out at a, at a bad time, but you're right. I mean, this is sure a, this is a, a young uh, young kid that that just kind of lost his cool for a second at, at a bad spot, and I think Silverfield. I bet he feels terrible. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I guarantee he does, and, and so I think Silverfield. And, and now if he doesn't, then 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 might you be know time maybe a different find yeah, somewhere else a, a different conversation. But I think Silverfield either after the game. Or um, today, when he met with press, um, he said that they were waiting on a. Uh, obviously, the the, the, the conference was mm-hmm. gonna was gonna deal with it, handle it, and said that they were waiting on that official um, notice from the conference, but that there would be some sort of suspension um, from him, uh, depending on, on what happened with the with the conference. So that's going to be taken care of. That's going to be handled. That's right. Um, I don't uh, like you said. He, he we're not here to head. kill him or anything. That wasn't. No, no, it, no. If we're looking at, I, I've heard a lot of people saying, "Well, that's the reason you lost a game." No, 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 no. no there were. No. There were a ton of reasons the Tigers lost that game. Um, and, and Brad and that tailback yes. from Birmingham, the biggest yes, reasons. They, they, those were and the biggest O&D reasons. Line. Absolutely, and some. I mean, on for the Tigers' offense, some costly drops, some costly. Um, you know, the, I think there was that one interception. I, I'm I'm curious how the, the you, ball that got through Rock Taylor that uh-huh. they had the interception in front of the yes. Tulane bench that was big. How did when I watched that um, on on television? I had no idea what had happened. I thought from from where the camera was and how dark it was, it looked like it bounced off a rock's chest or or, or was an overthrown to rock and went into the sidelines. Uh-huh. And so I'm thinking incomplete pass. And I see Tulane running the opposite direction. I'm going, what yeah. just happened? And they showed the replay I, and it bounced off rock and, and right into I thought the hands the Tulane, of the DB. I thought the def- defender was out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I had no idea what had happened. I was so confused. And then and they that showed big, the replay. And that's back. not on Seth. Hennedy. No, 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 no. I mean, that was a, that was a good throw. It just you know, and, and we've talked about you know, especially before the season, Rock Taylor has been known to to have some drops, and and that was in in a costly spot, and, and turns out. It turns into a, a pick six, but you're right. I mean, it, it had nothing to do. It had everything to do with Tulane was was frankly the better team on Friday night. That, 
That's it. I mean, you, 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 in, that's competition. That's yeah. sports. You just run into sometimes, you know, the b- bigger, badder opponent. And I, preseason, I had the Tigers to this point with this the exact record mm-hmm. they have. Now, last week, I did. I thought Memphis was going to win the game and sure thought the home field advantage sure. would, would buoy them to that. But, uh, preseason, I had, I had next week as a loss or now, now this week yeah. against UAB and, that that is going to be a game Saturday, and think about this in the state of Alabama Saturday, eleven o'clock in Birmingham Tigers UAB, mm. two thirty in T Town third Saturday in October UT and Bama, yeah. six o'clock on the Plains Auburn and Ole Miss. Wow, what a weekend! What you, a weekend! You, know, you could do if you wanted to. You could do Tigers UAB at eleven and get to Auburn. For six o'clock kick, that'd be incredible. You better have a good parking place. Yes. pull right up somewhere and uh-huh. jump out and, and run and in and boogie in. But I mean, now and when you're talking about Blake Watson and, and his injury, I mean, now you're also talking about Tulane beating you two weeks in a, in a row. I mean, we always talk sure about could. that with with SEC teams and and mm-hmm. just how good Tulane is. I mean, you could see that um, with the Tigers this weekend. Hopefully not, uh, but we'll definitely talk more about that game later in the week. Let me set up today's show before we get the top and not top story of the day. At three thirty, we'll continue this conversation about the Tigers with Jonah Dillon, the uh, Tiger football beat reporter for the Commercial Appeal. Three forty-five, we'll get into the college football weekend and how it played out for the top twenty-five. What this updated top twenty looks like after a really fun weekend of football. Four o'clock, David Cobb uh, will join us from CBS Sports to talk college football and college basketball. Like I said, uh, Ken Palm rankings were uh, came out yesterday. The AP Top 25 in basketball came out earlier today. So uh, we're going to talk a lot of football. Which one do you pay more attention to? Ken Palm um, or AP? KP or AP? I pay attention in terms of rankings to the AP more. I I usually don't pay attention to the to the Kim Palm rankings, but I'll look at the the analytics because analytically it's it's unbelievable. Boy, he's good. Uh, he he's really good. So he's carved it out. Hasn't he, he has, and I mean, he knows what he's doing. He has the the formula down, and it's really unbelievable. Um, is, is is he a real person? Do you ever hear him oh, yeah. on any shows? Oh yeah, Kim Pomeroy is 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 one hundred percent a real person. Uh, he does. I don't think he does a ton of interviews, but I hear him every once in a while um he'll do a, you know jerry palm really started like that with yeah. rpi with college right, right, right. college art and, and and you know it's built into what he's done and he's, yeah. done, he's done it really well i don't know that i've ever heard ken palm on an interview yeah yeah i've i've heard him a couple of times i you don't hear from him a, a ton that's for sure i mean he just kind of does his does his thing with uh well, there's no room for ken palm we got joey brackets out true. there i mean joey brackets he takes up a lot of space and, and uh, <laughs> there's only enough for uh Teach his own. exactly but and, and i and i don't i don't mind where have you ever heard ken palm locally on anything i can't say i have I, I, um i have you know, I, I, I only listen to us so sure. I, I know i haven't no i i, I couldn't tell you um, for sure, but I, I don't think I have. I can't certainly can't remember hearing him anywhere local. Um, but with all that being said, uh, we're going to talk a lot of college football with with David Cobb. But I have pages of questions of college basketball questions for David. Ready. We can we can split those up as uh, in the next couple of weeks as we build. How about college Eric Musselman on the road again last weekend Dude. on literally the must uh-huh. bus yep. went down to Tuscaloosa. Uh-huh. 
Man, he's almost the Pied Piper for college sports, isn't he? Hey, he knows how to do it, and he knows what he's doing. I love him. And he does it extremely well. They're in the top 15 of the AP poll today, so uh, I really do like this Arkansas team. Um, And what Eric Musselman's doing is is really unbelievable. So we'll talk a lot of college football, a lot of college basketball at 4 o'clock with David Cobb at 4.30. We've got to get to our Sissy's Log Cabin look back at the weekend in the SEC. Uh, At 4.45, we'll get to big number of the day. 5 o'clock, DeMichael Cole, the Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal, will join us. We'll talk about the upcoming season as, Brett, we're only about a week away from opening night in the NBA. Nine days if you can. Uh, it, <laughs> but we're not keeping count, of course. But uh, <laughs> but we're extremely close. Uh, Three weeks for the Tigers. That's right. So preseason's winding down. We're extremely close to basketball, all sorts of basketball, um, but most notably the NBA and the Grizzlies uh, start to the season. So DeMichael will join us at 5 o'clock to talk Grizzlies. 5.30, we'll get to our Ruth's Chris Monday Night Football preview and pick. We've also got to get to our top four quarterbacks for the Chargers and the Cowboys. That's a combined list, four quarterbacks, your choice from Chargers and Cowboys, how you want to divvy that up. And at 545, wrap up today's show like we always do with Taco Bell Crunch Time. But let me remind you, we're sitting in our Family Leisure Studios where family and fun come together. The world's biggest spa sale, it's back and bigger than ever. 50 different miles to choose from, five different manufacturers, up to 30% off in-stock spas and swim spas, free upgrades on all in-stock spas, and the 24-month same-ass cash is still available, but only at Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. He's Brian. I'm Brett. Johnny Hill also with us. We're Sports Time. We're with you until 6 o'clock. You can call or text us at 901-360-8255. This hour of our show brought to you every day by Lexus of Memphis at 2600 Ridgeway and online at LexusofMemphis.com. Great offers on all 2023 models and always special leasing options with the 24s rolling in. Call them at 901-334-9673 and drive in luxury and confidence knowing that every new Lexus comes with complimentary first and second maintenance services. Stop by Lexus of Memphis at 2600 Ridgeway, the one and only Lexus dealership in town, and put yourself in the driver's seat of the all-new 2023 flagship LS500, and you'll be looking and you'll be driving in style. When you purchase a Lexus, you get top-of-the-line engineering and design, and they make for the luxury driving experience. Online at LexusofMemphis.com. Experience amazing, experience amazing at Lexus of Memphis. A top story of the day. Oh, yeah, a, little, a little user error there, but uh, I, I, I almost got a re- reverb on it. Big voice, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, almost. But uh, my top story of the day is the Tigers' loss on Friday night to start the weekend. Before really. Uh, Colorado, I mean, what they did Friday night afterwards almost kind of took all of the attention away from the Tulane and Memphis game with a 21-point lead at half and then just 29. completely... 29. 29, you're right. Nothing. You're absolutely right. And so, I, I mean, I fell asleep before halftime. I had an early morning Saturday, so I didn't even get to see the halftime. That's kind of the, the popular response the all game. weekend. Did you really? That Well, that yeah. was the popular response all weekend, Brett, is... Oh, man, I fell asleep at halftime of that Colorado game thinking they won and they lost. I fell asleep before halftime. I fell asleep middle of the second quarter and thought that they were going to win with flying colors and then the comeback uh, forced uh, Stanford. But before that, the Tigers and Tulane, uh, we said it. I mean, Tulane was just the better team on Friday night. They started off 
much better than Tigers. Tigers came out and really looked flat. I didn't think Tulane came out and looked bad. I really thought it was more Memphis's defense was coming up with stops and playing really well and, and trying to give the Tigers offense for a fast start. We've been talking about those slow starts, and I was really hoping, especially after the first stop early in the first quarter by the Tigers defense, that we would finally see that fast start we've been looking for. But we didn't. But the Tigers did come back in the second quarter uh, and started the third quarter and really put it on Tulane. 21 unanswered points, and it looked like that they were going to control the rest of the ball game, but that wasn't the case. Tulane responds with a 21-point run of their own. It was like basketball and the, the big runs, the 10-point run. Uh, both teams get a 12-15 point run, um, and Tulane ultimately wins it 31-21. to and, and for the Tigers, I know a lot of people disappointed in this loss, and I think for good reason. I mean, I think this was a big game We've been building it up as a big game, but the Tigers are still there. I mean, their destiny is still in their hands. Now, they're not in the driver's seat like we talked about before Friday night's game. But but it's no time to bail. No, absolutely not. I mean, they could still very well be in the conference championship. Now, you've got to go out and take care of business these next couple of weeks. You've got a, a date set up with SMU, who I think is also right there for the conference championship. You've got to take care of business there, but... All of these things are very doable. You need to get healthy. Blake Watson um, and his injury is certainly concerning because you kind of ran the offense through him all season. So you need to get healthy. But, I mean, that path to a conference championship game is still right there. You just got to go out uh, and take care of business in the next couple of weeks. My top story, the Heisman Trophy race is as wide open as the college football playoffs. Wide open. At least six or seven serious candidates, I think. Jordan Travis at FSU, Dylan Gabriel at OU, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, Blake Corum at Michigan, Bodacious at Oregon. I don't think he's out of it. Drake May at North Carolina, the the winner last year, Caleb Williams, one game I don't think completely takes him out. But the front runner, it's Michael Penix. And in any of the AP top ten, I think, could make it into the college football playoffs. And I think seven to eight of those teams could actually win it all. The ball down in college football – for both the Heisman Trophy and the college football playoffs and ultimately this year's national champion, it, it is it is it has happened. How 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 about Notre Dame, USC, and LSU all relegated to spoiler roles the rest of the way? Ah, that'd be that'd be something. Not top story of the day. Well my not top story of the day, I'm a stick. With college football, and Brett, it was really a fun day, all day of college football. I know we're going to get really into the nitty-gritty of the SEC a little bit later in the show, but that started the Vandy and Georgia game. I mean, Vandy had an opportunity to go up 10-0, and it was 7-zip Vandy, but that 2-30 slate was really, I mean, extremely fun to watch. You had Oregon and Washington going back and forth in what really was probably the, the game of the day. You also had the Tennessee and Texas A&M game that was really back and forth. And you also had Iowa and Wisconsin in a extremely close, low-scoring game. So, I mean, pick your poison. Playing rugby. Yeah, I mean, really, you had a shootout in, in Washington and Oregon, and then you had... I mean, a, a slow-paced chess match yeah, uh, in, in Iowa and Wisconsin, both equally as fun as the other. And, and then you go into that night slate, uh, some more really fun games. But it was just a great day at college football. I know it's setting up for another weekend of some really, really intriguing top 25 matchups, Texas, uh, Tennessee and Alabama, Penn State and Ohio State. Um, we're really starting to get into that time of the season where these games are going to dictate who, who makes these championship games for these big-time conferences? We have a playoff in college football. We just don't have a bracket until the Final Four. My not-top story, the object of the game 
is to win, isn't it? We all know that. Or is it to keep receipts like Coach Prime or to run your mouth about being back like the U Mm. or score a bunch of points like Arizona? If you like winning and you're critical of Kirk Ferentz in Iowa, then you like sizzle rather than steak. Iowa wins consistently year in and year out. It is the cure for insomnia. I know (laughs) that. I know that. But at Iowa, they've had two coaches since 1979, Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of places within the sound of our voices in the SEC in this area that want to change coaches every three or four years. Get with somebody. Get with the system and stay with it. I like what Kirk Ferentz accomplishes. I do too. I mean, it's a it's a brand of football that, especially this day and age, isn't for uh, for everybody. But you uh, think Nebraska would change? Why would, would swap with Iowa? Uh, yes, they would. <laughs> I think there's a right, lot right now. Of you teams. think Houston or Wisconsin or LSU would swap with them? Yes. Now, would it be popular? Probably not. But hey, probably if, not. If the results are there, you got to take them, right? And that, that's what the scoreboards for. And those results, especially, I mean, for Iowa, lost their starting quarterback and are still finding ways to win games. It really is incredible to watch. Uh, and and if you can get get into it, it is some fun football. But that'll do it for top and not top story of the day. Let's go ahead and get to our first break of the day. When we come back, we'll talk more Tiger football with Jonah Dillon. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Lexus of Memphis. Here are your hosts, Brett Statz-Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back into Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you and joining us now, from the commercial appeal, the Tiger football beat writer Jonah Dillon joins us now to talk about the Tigers. And Jonah, we, we spent a little uh, bit of the first segment kind of talking about this game and just the, the back and forth and kind of the roller coaster of a game. It was a slow start for the Tigers, but they come back. Uh, they score 21 unanswered points, but then uh, Tulane responds with their own with their own 21-point run. What did you make of that game Friday night? Yeah, it was it was definitely a letdown by the end that, uh, you know, Memphis was up 21-10. It felt like they kind of had all of the momentum, and people were starting to get excited. They were starting to check those scores from the Mountain West and the mm-hmm. Sun Belt and the other conferences <laughs> and think about the New Year's Six game. And then uh, Tulane kind of just turned it around. And really, once they turned it around, the game was pretty much over. There was really never a point once Tulane said they were back in the game where it seemed like Memphis was going to, come back and it was going to be close at the end. By the end of the game, it wasn't really even close. Um, so then you're kind of, I think a lot of the fans left with this sort of thinking feeling about how it got away, mm-hmm. even though it was, a, it was a bizarre game, right? Both teams have 21, nothing runs. I, I, you know, I don't know the last time that happened in a game, but I'm sure it was a while. So it was a weird one. It, it really was. It was, uh, it was almost the three games and Tulane unfortunately had the better part of two of them. The, the, the middle for Memphis was great. And then that middle part, kind of in the Memphis part of the game, Jonah, I, I, I saw the Seth Hennigan that I thought was coming at, out of the, out of the Mizzou game, out of the Boise State game, made some throws, made a throw down in, in that left hand corner, Tiger sideline, northwestern corner of the stadium in bracketed coverage. That's as good a throw I think I've ever seen him make. But then he had, you know, some bad moments early and a, and a few late. Why is he, after about 30 games as, as a starter, 
why is he still kind of high and low, not really consistent? Yeah, and that kind of mirrors the whole offense, right? It's it's Seth Hennigan, it's the whole offense. You can see when he plays well, the whole offense plays well. I thought Demir Blankensy had his best game in Memphis as a receiver. He he had a really good game. Um, And then it's kind of up and down. I mean, one of those interceptions bounced off Brock Taylor's hands. It wasn't really Seth Hennigan's fault. Um, But the offense just goes long stretches where it looks like they don't really know what they're doing. And then suddenly something happens and it's like, wow, this is amazing. They're never going to stop you. And we saw both of those things uh, back and forth in the game. I think people are frustrated with, with Seth Hennigan because they know how he played as a freshman and they kind of expected, okay, you're this good as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So that means you're going to be this good as a sophomore, this good as a junior, this good as a senior. Now, obviously we know that quarterback development doesn't work like that necessarily, but every year it seems like people are expecting, okay, now you showed us you can do this, so let's do the next level. And I think a lot of people probably look at that game and they say, okay, that's probably how maybe he would have played as a freshman or as a sophomore. Um, at the same time, like in that, that part of the game that you're talking about, you know, we're sitting there in the press box thinking, well, he's doing what we said he had to do. He's basically outplaying, outplaying Michael Pratt. And that's what it would have took to win the game. And he showed that he has the capability to do that. So once again, you know, we're leaving a game with positive and negative about Memphis' quarterback. Absolutely. Well, and we talked a lot last week, and I think we talked with you about this as well, kind of earlier in the season, of, of how much they're relying on Blake Watson uh, to kind of lead the offense. And, and that injury Friday night, what have you heard about the injury, and uh, and what has Silverfield said about his availability going forward? Yeah, so Ryan Silverfield said today that Blake Watson is day-to-day. Uh, it's worth keeping in mind that Silverfield basically, the only designations he'll give for injuries are day-to-day and out for the season, which he mm-hmm. said today, kicker Seth Morgan is out for the season. Um, so, for example, Tristan Vandenberg has been out for three games now, and he's been day-to-day every time that we've asked him about it. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to know based on that what's up with, with Blake Watson. It was a weird one, too, because after the game, Ryan Silverfield kind of said that it was performance-related, but also that he was injured. Um, and the bigger story with that is that the running game was completely ineffective as Ryan Silverfield said after the game. Um, we knew coming in it was going to be a struggle because Tulane has a really good defensive front, but Memphis was really not able to run the ball at all, no matter who the running back was, and that obviously put more pressure on Seth Hennigan. So it'll be interesting to see this week if Blake Watson is good to go. Obviously, Sutton Smith is, is a guy that a lot of people have talked about in the offseason. They talked about the beginning of the season, and they want to see him you know, get more reps. Obviously, Blake Watson has, has played really well, but it will be interesting if he can't go to see how Sutton Smith does in that kind of Definitely undisputed number one running back role. And, and Jonah, we've talked today already a lot about kind of kind of this, this from Friday night. I think the Tigers have a really good team. Tulane's just better. And from watching Tulane against Ole Miss without Michael Pratt, I think Ole Miss caught a. You know, I'm sorry, he was hurt. I'm not. I'm, I'm not relishing in his injury. But Ole Miss caught a break not seeing Michael Pratt that day. Yeah, I think they did. I think Tulane. It wasn't like they came in here and Michael Pratt had some sort of unbelievable game and just carried the team. Like They won the game because, like you said, they were the better team pretty much across the board. I mean, you know, everyone talked about they lost Ty J. Spears last year, and obviously it's a huge loss. We know how good he was, but Makai Hughes had a really good game as a, as a running back for Tulane, and I saw Tulane fans saying, okay, we found our next you know star running back. So, And he ran the ball a lot, and, and that was one of the things that a lot of those runs at the beginning of the game, they didn't get a lot of yards, but you could tell by the end that that meant this defense was worn down. Um, and that's, you know, they were able to run the ball. They stuck to it and they knew what they wanted to do. Michael Pratt 
also did a good job running the ball. So, you know, they've got a really good team. It's, it's hard to see, especially at this juncture, it's hard to see why they wouldn't win the AAC. I don't know what other team is going to go in there and beat them. Um, and it's not surprising, right? We know how good they are. We know what they did last year. There's a lot of guys that are back from that team. So in, in that sense, yeah, they're, they're the best team. They came in here, they were the favorite, and they handled their business. Uh, I promise you, before we went on the air, when Coach Kiffin got to me after the Ole Miss Tulane game, I said to him, I said, man, 21, Makai Hughes. The first thing he said, Huffman, Birmingham, the Huffman Vikings. I'm telling you, Jonah, in this area, Alabama high school players are just different. It's different down there. It's it's not as big as Texas and Louisiana and Georgia and Florida, but they produce the players, and that guy, he he runs really tough. Jonah, I I think Willie Fritz serves as almost a cautionary tale on a couple fronts. I've seen on social media since Friday night is, how is Tulane and Willie Fritz, how's that program better than Memphis? Well, it is for right now. Uh, that doesn't mean it's going to be in two years. But also it serves, uh, I think it serves a, a good illustration of they stayed patient. I think Memphis should be patient with Ryan Silverfield and ride this one out and not and not bark as loudly as some are. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough one because, this is the kind of thing where people can always pull out, oh, what about this school? What about this school? Um, there's plenty of examples of places that it wasn't going well and then it turned around. I think the best one for Memphis fans to look at is probably Mike Norbella for Florida State. Um, you look at what he's doing now with the program and what it looked like a couple of years ago. I think with Willie Frick, it's obviously they have that dramatic turnaround where they won two games in 2021 and then won 12 games the next year, which is the biggest turnaround ever in, in college football. So you can't really plan for that. But it shows when you, you know, if you have time and you develop players and you get a good quarterback and, you know, you have a really distinct plan of what you want to do as a team, it can happen. It's just that it's hard to say, you know, when it's going to happen or, or, you know, what progress looks like because I'm sure Tulane, nobody there would have told you they were making progress when they were 2-10. and 10. But then it turns out the next year we look back and like, oh, probably, you know, they lost some of those games. They probably learned a lot. They developed players. So it's it's a really tough one to figure out how how to measure progress, especially when you're measuring it in things other than wins and losses. Obviously, a lot of people and we also talked about it last week. If the Tigers had won Friday night, they're they're in the driver's seat for that American Athletic Conference championship game. And kind of now with that loss, it's still there. That door's still open, but that margin for error is pretty much eliminated going forward in these games. Talking to to Coach Silverfield today, even after the game on Friday, talking to some of the players. I mean, what is what is their mindset now after that loss to Tulane? Yeah, so I, I wrote a piece that was up uh, this morning, uh, check out Commercial Appeal, which is basically looking at the scenarios for what the rest of the season looks like for Memphis. And I think they understand, likely if they lose another game, it's going to, at the very least, it's going to require results to go their way and help to make it into the conference title game. Um, now there's six more conference games, and in any conference, winning six conference games is not easy in a row, right? Um, I think... They, you know, they got to go on the road the next two games. Basically, they know, and the best, the best thing that we heard was Seth Hennigan and Chandler Martin said after the game. Uh, somebody asked, "Do you guys need to win out?" And Seth said, "Yes." Chandler Martin, linebacker, said, "See y'all in December." So <laughs> uh, they're expecting, you know, they 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 they're expecting to go win those six games. If they do win the next six games, it's likely that would be enough for a conference championship. There are some scenarios where it wouldn't. 
mm-hmm. but that would include beating SMU, so you'd go ahead of them. You'd probably be behind Tulane, and then you hope that UTSA and Florida Atlantic, which are the other undefeated teams in the conference, pick up a couple losses somewhere down the road. Yeah. Um, but for now, it's, it's, you know, you're on business time, and it starts with, with two road games, and Memphis has not been good on the road in Ryan Silverfield. Um, these are going to be two games where Memphis is going to be favored, but you know, winning on the, it's a cliche and you hear coaches say it on the time, but winning on the road in conference games is just never easy. And we'll see how Memphis does. Yeah. Starting off with a road game against a UAB team that, that is looking much better as the season goes on. Last thing for you, Jonah, before we let you go, I saw you tweet out this morning um, that you're working on a mailbag. You're asking for questions for your upcoming Memphis mailbag. Maybe not questions you've gotten for this mailbag, but but what are some of the most popular questions you've gotten from fans since, since you uh, took the job here at Memphis? Yeah, well, we've got a lot of questions. Uh, you know, I, I guess I picked a weird time to do it because people are obviously upset about the game on Friday. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've gotten some things that could be considered as questions and could definitely just be considered as complaints or <laughs> rants about the team. Editorials. Uh, yeah. 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 So I think people are, and it kind of goes back to the theme of, of what I've heard since I've been here, which is like, people want to see progress. And it's like, we talked about what is progress mm-hmm. in a college football program. You can't really tell. Um, people are asking, you know, can Memphis win out? Yes, they can win out. You know, there's there's a million reasons why they can, and there's a million reasons why they won't. Um, and there's a lot of questions about that. You know, we've talked about Seth Hennigan. I've seen the chatter, and I got some questions about it. People want to know what's up with Kevin Carter, the backup quarterback. Mm, yeah. um, you always said the backup quarterback is the most popular player on the team. That's uh, right. That's true here, and Kevin Carter obviously is a local Memphis guy. Hasn't really played any meaningful snaps for, for Memphis. Um, but anytime you have a guy who's a local kid who's playing for the Tigers, you know, people are going to be interested. Um, and it just takes a couple more losses for all these things that we're talking about. The chatter just gets louder, right? Mm. So you win a game, chatter goes down, you lose, the chatter comes back up. Uh, and we're kind of in a midpoint, I think, right now um, with where that is. So it's definitely an inflection point for this season. Absolutely. Well, Jonah, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and let's definitely do this again soon. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thanks, Jonah. Jonah Dillon from the Commercial Appeal, the Tiger football beat writer. Uh, go check out his work over there. Like he said, he, he did a story this morning kind of about where the Tigers are at right now in, in that road to the end of the season. He's also working on a mailbag. I always like, no matter if it's the Tigers, the Grizzlies, some of the other teams I follow that are not here locally, I love a good mailbag. They're, they're always the best, and, and I think you can get some really good information from those. So definitely check uh, his work out at the Commercial Appeal. But let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we got to look at the week weekend in college football and how that reflected in the newest top 25 for the Associated Press. We'll do that next on Sports Time. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Lexus of Memphis. Here are your hosts, Brett Statz-Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus.
Welcome back into Sports Time. Brian and Brett with you in our family leisure studios. And Brett, I know we're talking a lot of football today, and we're going to get to the to the top 25 here in a second, but we've already got uh, Game 2 of the ALCS going on right now. Uh, Texas won that one last night. Um, and right now, in the top of the first game, I think first pitch was scheduled for 337, so we've been playing for nearly 20 minutes. We're in the top of the first with one out, and the Rangers are up 4 Nothing. Fromber Valdez wow. on the mound for the Astros. He wasn't and he good. Rattled. And he didn't look good in his first postseason start. He looks completely rattled. They've got somebody up in the pin. Um, if something doesn't change soon, it does not look like Fromber Valdez is going to get out of the first inning. And I mean, I know we're, we got to get to the top twenty-five, but this Texas Rangers offense, but this team in general has been unbelievable since before the start of the postseason, but really, they've turned it on to another level uh, when postseason play started. They last lost October 1st. That's incredible. It's incredible. Today's the 16th. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I mean, this team, we, you you were, were high on them before the season started. I think we've all been talking about them. But not this the high. Season. Not this high. No, this is this is another level. Um, they're showing, this is mainlining high. They're now <laughs> I mean, showing fans. How do you do all this? They're doing yeah. a, a shot of different fans. They just went to like four different fans between pitches, and all of them look like their dog just died Stunned. or something. I mean, just... just when, you see a, when you see action in the bullpen in the oh first inning... Uh, Before you've ever been to bat, pack it up. I mean, it's and, and, and this is a great Astros team. It is. It, it no joke. A, a really good team. So we'll we'll keep you updated on that game. But all Texas early in that one. Brett, let me run through the top twenty-five real quick, um, and then I'll get your thoughts on how things um, have changed since the weekend. I'll start from the top. Number one, Georgia. Two, Michigan. Three, Ohio State. Four, Florida State. Five, Washington. Six, Oklahoma. Seven, Penn State. Eight, Texas. Nine, Oregon. Ten, North Carolina. Alabama at 11. Twelve, Oregon State. Thirteen, Ole Miss. Fourteen, Utah. Fifteen, Notre Dame. Up six spots. Sixteen, Duke. Seventeen, Tennessee. Eighteen, USC with the biggest hit of the week. Down eight spots. 19 LSU, 20 Missouri, Louisville uh, at 21, down seven spots from last week. 22 Air Force, an undefeated Air Force. 23 Tulane making another appearance in the top 25 after the win over the Tigers. 24 Iowa and 25 UCLA. What were your biggest takeaways from this week's AP Top 25? How's Louisville behind Notre Dame? They they, they played. They beat them. I mean, fair and square. They only had. They have one less loss. They did lose this weekend, but Notre Dame, they, they have two, but Notre Dame beat USC, mm-hmm. but to be six spots ahead of yeah. them. And, and they played, remember, they played nine days ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, we see this every once in a while. It's that weird spot where obviously we've got that kind of uh, excitement factor right after beating US, uh, USC and really uh, it, making it look easy against USC. And so I think they're, the voters are like, well, we can't drop USC all the way to 20. Why can't we? It, that's Why a, can't That's we? a great question. But we but we also have to have Notre Dame in front of USC because they just beat them. And so you're in this weird spot where voters feel like they have to find a way to make everything work out. I think USC should be down in the 20s. I mean, I haven't been – I don't think anybody's been I, impressed I with this team. And, and, it, and it's more than just the bad defense. Oh, absolutely. It's a bad offensive line. It is. It is. Caleb Williams has very little help. He's running for his life back there, Brad. I mean, he's, you he, see all he these scrambling I mean, plays. He's running 100 yards Notre in a 30-yard game. What Notre Dame did up front on both sides, I mean, they just whipped the stew out of Sure did. She absolutely did. So, uh, But a big drop. And I don't think this is 
peak vintage no. Notre Dame, but it was uh, probably Marcus Freeman's biggest win as head coach it was. of the Irish. And, I think it was and, one of his, his uh, better coached games as well. V- very impressive. North Carolina, they're, they're right there. What they did to Miami, yeah. I, I think everybody's got them now on the radar. And, and what Gene Chizik's doing running mm-hmm. the North Carolina defense. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So a big jump for them um, to up to 15. They, they uh, or excuse me, uh, I lost up to 10. They're at 10 now. Um, so uh, not the biggest jump of the weekend, but a, a good jump and, and, and a good win for them over Miami. And now we've got set up in, in the top 10. Ohio State, who is at three oh, still, against number seven Penn State. I mean, that is going to be a, a fantastic game. God I know we've got a whole week, but be. oh, it's going to be beautiful. way way back when Penn State was an independent. I I think it was seventy nine somewhere mm-hmm. in there that they opened against each other seventy seven seventy eight. And Arch Leister was starting as a true freshman in his first game for Ohio State. But you know that's before when, before the season starts. That's before Ohio State's handed out any of the. Buck nuts, the Buckeyes mm-hmm. on the helmets. So it's just that silver helmet against that white Penn State helmet on national TV, yeah. late seventies. Oh, oh, Keith man. Jackson and, and Frank Brawls doing the game. I mean, it, it, wow. it was just beautiful. I mean, that's uh, that's magical, Brett. <laughs> that is magical. And this weekend, now, didn't be a Penn State game. Saturday night? Didn't they break out the helmet with the numbers on the side? I think so. Did they have that this last Saturday? I wasn't able to catch much of that game. They, they had that look through most of the 60s and early 70s, and then Joe Pa said, the end of that, that's too flashy too. I love that. Let's uh, try to be more great. boring. Uh, that's great. But, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. They might have. I, I don't know for sure. But I'm excited about that game. Ohio State, a little banged up, but still uh, winning big in Big these noon games. will be there. Big noon will be there. I think there. game day is going to be there. Are they really? One of one of those weeks where it all wow, collides. Yeah. Where it all collides. So yeah, no, it should be fun. You're absolutely right. They did uh, unveil the the helmets with the numbers on the side. Hum, numbers on both sides, I believe, for for Penn State. Sure yeah, is. And, and, and they they had those when, when Franco Harris and Lydell Mitchell were there, and they opened against Tennessee sometime in late sixties, early seventies. When when John Capaletti won the Heisman in seventy three, it was numbers on the oh, side. Wow. But that that was too flashy for Joe Pop. <laughs> I love that too flashy. Take them off. I, I like the look. I, I'm watching the highlights from the from the UMass game over the weekend. I kind of like the look. It looks good. So, um, well, I, I, I love the Boston College helmet with nothing on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a good look as well. But well, I know we'll talk a lot about that Penn State Ohio State game as we uh, get a little further in the week. But let's go ahead and wrap up this hour. Get to a break. When we come back to start our second. Our David Cobb from CBS Sports will join us to talk some college football and college basketball. That's next on Sports Time. 